0: Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Three parts, right? Anybody know what the three parts of, that make us up? Do you know what those things are? Spirit, good. I heard somebody say soul. And what about the third one? Body. So we are a spirit, soul, and body. And in order to walk in and develop and cultivate peace in our lives, we have to make sure that we're taking care of those three areas. Your spirit man has to be taken care of. and We're going to talk about how. Your soul has to be taken care of. And we're going to talk about how. You can be doing great spiritually. You could be close to God and hearing his voice and all of those things. But your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so your soul could be struggling even though your spirit man is okay right? And then the third one is your body. And in order to have peace in your life, there are times in life that you have to take care of your body. You have to get sleep. I don't know about you, but back in college, I could pull an all-nighter, but now if I miss sleep, I am not at peace. <laughs> I am not okay. I'm grumpy. i am got a short fuse. I'm ticked off at little stupid things, and I'm like, what is going on? This isn't me. Well, I need to rest, okay? So we're going to talk about The thing is is that walking in peace, there's not like a magic pill. It's not like, here, take this, and you'll have peace. There's not like one magic solution to having a life of peace, but there are some very practical and spiritual steps that you can take to develop a life of peace. And we're all on this this journey of developing a life of peace. And I don't want a a human kind of peace. I'm not talking about peace that comes from like, yoga. I'm not talking about peace that comes from transcendental uh, meditation. I don't want a man kind of peace. I want a God kind of peace. I want a God-given peace. And so God gifts that to us. We're about to read a scripture where we're going to see that God gives that to us as a free gift. I want you to know that as I teach tonight, peace isn't something that you have to work really hard for. That would be counterintuitive. That doesn't make sense. Peace is a free gift from God but then it's our job to use our will to make the right choices to maintain that peace. So if I gave you a beautiful bouquet of flowers and I gave it to you and I said, this is a free gift, you don't have to give me anything for it, and it was the most stunning, most vibrant, most colorful thing of flowers you had ever seen, and then you took it home and put it on the shelf and never maintained it, would it be pretty in a month? No. But if you take it home and you, let's say it's a plant instead of flowers, because flowers are going to die in the vase. But if it's a plant, if you take it home and you, you maintain it and you plant it and you water it and you make sure that you clip it whenever it's dying and you maintain it, then you can have it forever. And it was a free gift that you get to have forever. And that's how peace is. And so I want you to know that it's not that you have to earn it, but you do have to maintain it. Make sense? Okay, let's start with John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving with you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't a gift. The world is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. One more time. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The world is trying so hard with so many methods and so many educational and and deep inspirational stuff to maintain peace, but it says right there, The world can't give you this kind of peace. Only God can give you this inner, deep-down inner peace that carries you through every trial, through every hardship, through every crisis, through everything that should have broken you, through everything that should break you. This God-given kind of peace is what sustains you and carries you through. And you can stand and say a year later or two years later, I'm still here because I had a God kind of peace deep down inside. So I just want to say before we continue that Not every spiritual guide is someone you should be listening to. And we are in a generation and a time right now, and I believe that there are seasons and times in the kingdom of God, and there are things that we have to discern as as people of God. We have to be able to discern the times and the seasons and what's going on so that we can maintain a life walking in truth. And so I'm telling you right now that we're in a season where there's a lot of lies out there. And it's not a God kind of spirituality. And so I want you to be real careful. Everybody who says that they're a spiritual guide or this is a spiritual book or this is a spiritual podcast, it's not necessarily coming from the Word of God. The Word of God is your manual. It's your boundary. It's where all the truth comes from. You don't need any truth beyond the Word of God. So if somebody tells you, oh, yeah, I I got that from the Bible, but then outside of that, I just thought there might be more that is a red flag. That is a warning sign, okay? And I don't know why, but today I just felt very, very heavy to bring that up. If we're going to talk about peace, we have to know we're talking about the God kind of peace. Given through a relationship with Jesus, he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and we are in relationship with him, and we don't need any extra peace outside of that, okay? All right, so number one, that flows right into number one. Number one is cultivate communion, What does communion mean? I'm not talking about the the cracker and the juice that we take on Sunday morning once a month. What does communion mean to you? Anybody? Not everybody all at once. Exactly. That is exactly right. He said sharing and being connected and talking with other people. He's exactly right. The definition of communion is talking and sharing with another person on an intimate level Especially mentally or spiritually. Okay? So when I say cultivate communion, specifically tonight, I'm talking about cultivating communion with God cultivating a relationship with God where you're not running in with a lit, with a shopping list and going, okay God, I need I need this, this, this and this. you know the the, the plumbing is messed up so I need a thousand dollars to cover that and then the kids are acting crazy so I need a little bit of patience because I'm a pull, I'm gonna pull my hair out if they don't shut up and I need this, my husband's doing something and I'm not real crazy about what he's doing. My wife, she doesn't understand me blah 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 okay Lord, I gotta go. I'm gonna go shower and get ready for work. Is that communion? No. If if we always use this example, but the example of a marriage relationship is a perfect example of com- cultivating communion. If Matt and I never spend any time together and look at each other and talk and if all we did was talk about church and work, would we have close communion with one another? No. We have to spend time with God. We have to listen to his heart. We have to get quiet, put away our phones, put away the tablets, put away the phone. Do it when the kids are asleep. We have to find uninterrupted time in the presence of God, or we won't know who we are. We won't know what we're doing, and we will not have any peace. We'll be tossed to and fro. Every time something hard comes, we'll be like, God, where are you? But if we've cultivated a relationship of communion with God and with the Holy Spirit, then those things come, and it's like, I'm walking with God. He's right here next to me. I didn't leave him at church on Sunday. I didn't leave him at church on Wednesday night. I woke up this morning, and I had communion with the Holy Spirit, and he's walking with me through my life today. So when I'm faced with something, he's right there with me because I've cultivated relationship with him. I've I've developed the ability to hear his voice. When is the last time you heard the still, small voice of God? When is the last time you just turned everything off got quiet, maybe put on a little worship, a little instrumental worship, and just listened. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Mm -hmm. Jessica, I, um, I didn't give you this, but would you put up Revelation 2, 2 through 4 real quick? Listen to this verse. This is God speaking to the church. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You keep going through. Go ahead and go to verse 4, would you? But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And so the first beginning of that verse, he says, look, I know you're enduring for me. I know you're pressing through and persevering and going through hard things for me. I know you're trying your best to obey me. I know that you are, you are walking this, this life you, the best way that you know how to endure for me. But you don't love me like you did at first. And that's God speaking to us tonight going, he's just calling us back to relationship with him. Everything that we're going to talk about, the rest of these keys, all stem from this. You cannot have peace if you don't have communion with God. There's no direction if you don't have communion. There's no wisdom if you don't have communion. I don't know about you, but when I don't have direction, I don't have peace. When I don't know which way to go, when I'm faced with a decision and I don't know which way to go, I don't have peace until I know. And I only get that from communion with God. Wisdom, what about having to make a tough decision, moms and dads, where you're faced with something and you're like, I don't know what to do with this child. I don't know what to do in this situation. Wisdom comes from that quiet time with God. And not because you're trying to check something off of some kind of religious to-do list or earn God's love. Spending time with God is not to prove your love for him. It's to let him pour his love on you. You're the one. We need it. I need it. I need communion with God. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. He lavishes his love on us when we love him and obey his commands. But I can't obey his commands if I don't first love him and know him. Why is it that that word obey is such a trigger word for us? Why is it when that when somebody goes obey God, you're like, I will never obey God. I'm gonna obey. Tell me to obey, or the verse that says, it will, I won't bring it up. But any verse that uses the word obey, we're like, well, I don't have to obey you. I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm gonna do what I want. Why is obey such a trigger word for us when it comes to God? God is not our earthly father. He's not our earthly mother. He's not some strange boss or, or, or power-happy person that we encountered in our lives. God is our creator, our designer, the architect of our lives. He knows us better than anyone else. And so if he lovingly and gently in your communion with him says, Hey, would you reach out to this person? Hey, I think you need to forgive this person. Hey, stay away from that. Why is he doing that? Because he's just like, oh, i gotta, I got to prove my authority. I'm in charge. No, because he has your best interest at heart. He, anything God asks you to do, any boundary that God lays for your life, anything God asks you to do or step out in faith and do, it's because he has your best interest at heart. It's not for him. Like, we're not living this life to try to, like, build up God's ego. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure He's good. He's got it. He's the creator of the universe, right? He, he And I want to say that again. He's not just your creator, but he's the architect, the designer of your entire life. And so, like, let's think of Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. Did God love Adam and Eve? Did he love them crazy, like, fearlessly love them? But did he set some boundaries for them? So, would you be like, man, God, you're you're just, you know, I know you gave us everything. I know you gave us this whole garden, but man, that one fruit, and I'm not talking about a garden like the size of Green Meadows Park. <laughs> the Garden of Eden was sufficient. I'm certain of it, but they were so focused on the one thing that God was like, not this. It's not for your own good. For your own good, abstain from that. But the moment that we hear directives from God, we're like no, I think I'm the exception of that rule. I think I'm going to be okay. And we immediately try to find five people that will justify it with us. Hey, so I'm doing this, but, you know, Pastor Matt, he says I shouldn't, but, man, here's the reasons why I should. I'm the exception of this rule, don't you think? And they're like, yeah, I think you should do it. You're right. It's all under grace. Yeah, grace, it's true. I, wouldn't be, I would not be here if it wasn't for God's grace. I have made a lot of mistakes And I would not be here if God didn't lavish his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness on me. I would not be here. But that grace that I've received as a free gift makes me want to obey him even more. So I lavish my unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Everybody say, cultivate communion. That's where peace comes like literally that's the floor level. That's the beginning, okay? So get this right and then we begin to build on the foundation of that. Number two, forgive quickly and completely. Somebody offends you, somebody hurts you, somebody does something that's not fair, a teacher makes fun of you at school, a boss lies to you, a family member betrays you, whatever it is, forgive quickly. And not just quickly, but completely. You don't want to go around with just like a partial little bit of unforgiveness. No, I've pretty much forgiven them. But when I think of them, I still can't stand them. But I've pretty much forgiven them. No. You want to forgive quickly and completely. And sometimes it's a process. Okay, listen, let's use this as an example. I want you to pretend like you just drove up to Chick-fil-A, my favorite fast food joint. You pull up to Chick-fil-A and the lady hands you your Sprite and or sweet tea or Arnold Palmer or whatever it is you order there and she hands you this giant drink and I don't know, the lid pops off and it spills all over you inside your car and it's like sticky and it's all over you and it's disgusting. You drive away. You're like, oh, I forgive that crazy teenage girl who wasn't thinking when she dumped her lemonade on me, Right? That was probably easy to forgive quickly and completely, right? You go get cleaned up, you forget about it, you tell the story, people laugh, and you're over it. But there are some things in this life you cannot forgive completely without the help of the Holy Spirit. There are some real serious wounds that happen in this life that only the Holy Spirit can help you forgive. But you can do it. You don't have to do it alone. I love the fact that when God tells us to do anything, when he tells us to forgive, even the most heinous of things done against us, we can look at him and go, okay, you're telling me to forgive, so I know that's for my good. Okay, I know you, God, I'm in communion with you, I know whatever you tell me is for my good. So I want to forgive, but do you know what they did to me? Like, do you, do you see this? This is serious and and i know that hurts and wounds are real and hard and in the natural impossible to overcome but i love it that the bible says with man it's impossible but with god all things are possible and that means that 10 years from now you can look back with a peace and a calm and even a love for that person if you decide today okay god i'm going to obey you in forgiveness but then he says he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper and our counselor and our comforter. And he's, the Holy Spirit's going to go, hey, babe, I know it hurts. I know that was tough. He's going to comfort us. He's, he's going to say, I love you. I'm with you. You're not alone. We're going to get through this together. You can forgive. With my help, you can do it. You can forgive. And he sends the comforter to help us forgive, but then we use our, our will to decide Day after day after day, week after week after week, keep deciding, keep asking for help, keep humbling ourselves until one day we're like, hmm. I I haven't thought about that for a while. All of a sudden you're free and you didn't even realize, you don't can't remember when you got free exactly, but all of a sudden you're like, I've gone two or three days and I haven't even thought about that jerk. Whoa. I think. I think I'm getting free. You know you've forgiven completely when you don't have an emotional response to that person's name or that situation or that memory. It's not always a person. I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm gonna move on to the next one, but it's not always a person. Sometimes wounds come from situations, disappointments. <coughs> life is life can be wounding. Life can really get in there and like twist the knife. But with the Holy Spirit, we can be healed. All right. Number three, use kind words. We know that there's, the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? We know that. The Bible talks about a husband washing his wife with the water of the word, right? The word is is, is, is a balm. The word is water. The, wor- the kind words are healing. We know that words have power. We've talked about it. We did a whole series on it. Raise your hand if you still don't believe words have power. You're like, nope, they don't, Pastor Jen. You're wrong. Okay, good. We're all on the same page in here. We're in agreement that words have power. Look at this verse, and I love it. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. And that's not just for the person hearing them. It's for the person saying them. But here's the issue. Here's here's the question. The question is... Why do we withhold kind words so much? Why is it so hard to us to be so kind to each other? I want you to use kind words like there are plenty to go around. I want you to use kind words like you're not afraid that you're not gonna get some in return. I want you to just pour kind words on people and lavish people with kind words and all of a sudden that honey that you're speaking over other people, you're gonna start to feel it bubbling up on the inside of you and you're like, well that felt pretty good. You know what? If you're not doing it for them, do it for yourself. Let kind words just flow and flow and flow and flow. Trust me, there's plenty to go around. We're not going to run out. It's, li- it's not like, a, it's not like a, a, a bucket full of kind words, and when we get to the bottom, they're done. No. Allow, allow the Holy Spirit to give you the right words for people. Lavish his love on people. Be kind to people. Give them a pound when you show up at work in the morning and say, I really like that outfit. Don't be a flatterer. I don't want to get into this, but Proverbs talks about flattery, and flattery is lying. So don't tell somebody you like their outfit if you hate it. We want to be authentic, real, genuine Christians, but you can find something you like. You have really pretty eyes. Wow, you did a really good job on that project. Nice work. Whatever it is, just, hey, your car's always clean. Where do you go to get your car clean? You can find something, okay? And it's sweet to the soul and healthy for the body, all right? Number four, abstain from sin. Why is sin another trigger word? As soon as I said that, why? Why is it like, oh, she's talking about sin? <laughs> another trigger word. Look, it's not that, it's not that serious. It, it, I mean, it is. One of my points I'm about to tell you is that sin is not a game, and it is serious. That's not what I meant. It's just not that. Why are we constantly at war trying so hard to justify sin? It, it, it's it's not good for you it's not it's not good for me if all I did was eat Big Macs every day three times a day how long would I live not very long I got to have some water and some fruits and some vegetables and some nutrients sin is not good for you so secrets are poisonous the Bible says confess your faults one to another that you may be healed and I'm talking from experience hidden sin is poisonous You want to know why you don't have peace? Well, go find a good, trusted friend and say, don't be judging me, but I need to tell you something. Find someone you really trust that you know is full of love and tell them, man, I'm struggling. This is what I did. And then have them grab hands with you and go, you're forgiven. God loves you. Let's pray. Let's ask God to forgive you. Let's move on from this. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but you're walking around like, I'm gonna pretend like I'm fine, but I gotta hide this. Don't be looking at me, man. I got this over here. I don't want you to see it. Why not just go over to somebody and go, look, look at this mess. Help me. I love it how the word gives us exactly what we need to obtain and walk in peace. Even that, he's like, hey, confess your false one to another that you may be healed. You're forgiven the minute you repent and tell God you're sorry. But your soul. The part of you that's your mind, your will, and your emotions, that part of you needs to confess so that you can be healed, so you can walk in freedom and liberty and not like that. I, and as long as something is a secret, the enemy can hold it against you. But as soon as you bring it to the light, and then the enemy's like, hey, but what about you're like, I already confessed that. I'm forgiven. That's in the light. I'm done with that. Sin's not a game, the enemy doesn't play fair. And I know life is hard. I know there are trials and circumstances and things that you walk through in this life. But let me tell you something. A temporary fix is not peace. A temporary fix is not peace. It's not going to be lasting, God-given peace. It's not. It might make you feel better temporarily. But it is not going to be that lasting, foundational peace that runs like a river through your life continually. It's not. It's not going to be the kind of peace you put your head down uh, at night and go to sleep, wake up in the morning ready for the day. It's not that kind of peace. I don't care how hard it is. Sin is never the answer. It's just not. And so if you're going through a hard, hard, hard trial, seasons of life that are tough that's the time to surround yourself with the right friends and the right people and go, I am going through it, and I know I'm vulnerable right now to the enemy. Pray for me. Hold me accountable. Check on me. Because sin is not going to give you peace. Number five, carefully choose your companions. Oh, that went right along with what we were just talking about. Proverbs 13:20. walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get into trouble y'all just had like in your mind you just like had a mental picture rush across of like some really stupid thing you did when you were a teenager where you were like shouldn't have been hanging out with those fools i hate to say it in church but they were fools And you hung out with them and your mama said, don't do it. Don't hang out with them. And then you got in some kind of crazy trouble. You ended up running from the cops or something crazy. You lost your shoe and had to go back and sneak through the trees to go find it. Something crazy that you did as a teenager, right? Carefully choose your companions. And let me say something that's going to be really freeing for you. Not every relationship is all or nothing. Not every relationship is like, hundred percent, we're soul sisters. I'm with you every minute of the day. You're the one I call for every good thing and every tough thing. You're my soul sister, Brianna. We're in this together, man. We wear matching shoes and everything. Not every relationship is like, oh, Pastor Jen said I had to ch- carefully choose my companions and that really close friend of mine, ah, she's not really living for God right now, so I'm done, boom, you're cut off. All or nothing. Some relationships are. But tonight, I want you to focus on the ones that just need a little adjustment. We go through seasons in life where relationships have to adjust with the times. I'm not in the same type of relationship with my parents, my mom and my dad, as I was when I was 11. That would be weird, right? Like, it would just, I, I saw a meme that said, having a daughter is like having a broke best friend that thinks you're rich, (laughs) I sent it to my parents. They were like, no, you were never that way. I'm all, uh uh-huh, yeah, I was. (laughs) Some relationships just need an adjustment. And some of you, like, you know, this is the other thing. Listen, in communion with the Holy Spirit, when he's, like, shining a little light or pointing at a little thing in your life and you're like, oh, that relationship, it doesn't quite feel right, but I don't want to let go of it. And, well, why not ask the Holy Spirit exactly how? Ask for wisdom and go, but God, what exactly are you asking me to do in that situation? How exactly do you want it to look? How exactly does that relationship need to be adjusted? It doesn't mean that you have to like cut them off, but there are some relationships in your life right now that are the reason you don't have peace. And you know it, because inside you're like, oh, something doesn't feel right. I don't know, I shouldn't have gotten in business with them, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't be this close to them, I shouldn't be spending all my time with them. Why? Because you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, and whatever they got living on the inside of them is not good for you. And so the Holy Spirit's trying, once again, to protect you and give you his best. So realize tonight go home, seek God, and say, what does that relationship need to look like? How does that relationship need to be adjusted? And again, that all goes back to communion. All right, two more points. Y'all still with me? Yay. Number six, make health a priority. Okay, so here we go about the body, mind. Wait, s- say it again with me. The three parts. <laughs> that was like real muddled. <laughs> one more time. Number one, spirit, soul, body. Good. Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dwell on this one for a real long time because. Uh, there are probably like 7.956 million articles on the internet about how to maintain your health <laughs> and YouTube videos and apps and all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to dwell on this, but I am going to say it matters. The health of your body matters if you want to walk in peace. It does. Um, I'll use myself as an example. I had been doing a lot better. Look, I, I'm going to eat a Domino's pizza. Once in a while, I just am. Like, I've come to the, I just have accepted the fact that Domino's will be at my house several times a month. It's just, it's gonna happen. But, not every day, not three times a day, not all the time, and all the rest of the time, I'm being diligent to eat fruits and vegetables and drink water and eat lean proteins and do the things that are great for my body so that when I have that yummy, wonderful delicious pizza that I love so much and maybe a side of cheesy bread dipped in the marinara sauce. When I have that, I enjoy it. I love it. I usually feel disgusting. And then the next day I get right back to eating what I'm supposed to be eating, okay? So tonight is a lot about just balance and grace and truth and reality of life. It's not all or nothing. Some people are. You're amazing. You're probably going to be first in line in heaven. Good for you. But I'm not that person. I'm just not. I love food. I'm a foodie. When we travel, before we get there, I've researched all the good restaurants. I've picked out where I'm going to have chicken and waffles. I love food. But it's not good for me to live a lifestyle of that. It's just not. So I'll use an example. I've been doing pretty good, Matt will attest, to cooking at home and eating pretty good healthy food, doing my best, working out, walking, whatever, I drinking tons of water and coffee (sighs) because I like it. Um but this past weekend we had the conference, the Spanish conference, and we were like nonstop, going nonstop. It was just like I was lucky if I was even mm-hmm. home long enough to chug a water. And so I'm gonna tell on us. We had Wendy's twice, Rosa's once, and what else? Ma Brown's all in the same weekend. <laughs> 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 all in the same weekend. Now, I literally woke up Monday morning and I was like, what is wrong with me? I am grumpy, I'm in a funk. I can't I can't clear my head. I drink in my coffee. I'm like, usually by now I can like my coffee is like Wonder Woman juice. Like I drink it and then I'm like, yes, let's take on the day. I love my coffee, but I just couldn't shake it. And I was like, Lord, what is going on with me? I'm like binding demons and like thinking about all the things I, like, trying to figure it out, and I literally felt the Holy Spirit go, it's what you ate. You feel frustrated and grumpy and yucky because look what you ate all weekend. Now, I don't think that it was a sin for us to do that this weekend. I don't think God was saying, you sinned, you better bring that to the cross. I think God was giving me wisdom in that moment to understand that those people my whole life that said, don't eat that, it's not good for you, and I got mad at them, they're right. It really does affect us what we eat. So I'm not going to dwell on this, but just know it's for your own good and for your own peace. Your stomach, I don't know, I'm going to go ahead and say this, but our gut, our stomach is like another brain. I know that sounds weird, but look it up, research it. The condition of your stomach affects your mood, your brain, the chemicals that are going on up here. And so if your stomach's upset, it's kind of hard to be at peace and joyful, right? Pastor John and I can tell you a story about last week about our stomachs being upset from eating bad pineapple. We, Okay, I'm going to tell it real quick. We ate really, We I went to the farmer's market. I bought a pineapple. I brought it home. I chopped it up. I'm like, John, fresh pineapple from the farmer's market. We're going to do something good for ourselves. We're like standing there eating it, talking, laughing, eating it, eating it. Three o'clock in the morning, we both woke up sick as dogs from that pineapple was it did you were you at peace that morning did did you feel joyful and excited and ready to take on the day no because your stomach was all jacked up okay health matters make health a priority go for a walk i'm going to say this too also really quick mental health we live in a time where we're really talking about mental health right it's been brought to the forefront of research and everything it has been proven that repetitive repetition of workouts like going for a walk you hear that it's like a rhythm same thing with doing weights one two three literally helps your mind to maintain mental health and release good chemicals so I don't care if you don't do anything but go for a walk and count your steps or talk to Jesus or whatever it is that you're doing whatever it is for you we're we're spirit soul and body you can have everything right in your spirit and your soul and your body's not right and you might not have peace. Okay? And the last one, create margins. Listen, everything does not, what does that mean to create margins? What are margins? I got th- I got three minutes, so help me preach it. Good. They're boundaries, but what else are they? What, What's on the, okay, good, John. S- Pastor John said space. If you, if you create a Word document and then you go and change the margins, you either make the space the space around the edge smaller or bigger, right? And so we need to create margins in our lives. Not everything has to be done right now. God did not create us to go 90 miles a, 90 miles an hour, 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. He didn't create us for that. We need to follow the, the, the pattern of how God created the heavens and the earth. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 work rest. That's, that, is, that is the model that God gave us for work and rest. And that needs to happen daily, weekly, monthly, and annually. So what does that mean, Pastor Jen? Well, it means create margins in your day. Start with your day. Every minute of your 14 hour day shouldn't be just back to back, back to back, back to back, back to back. I had a meeting from 10 to 11 and then I drove over across town and then I got to that meeting and then I got out of that meeting and I ran over there and I grabbed something to eat and then I ran over there and then I had to go get my kid and then I ran over there and then, and then traffic was crazy so I didn't get there on time and then, is that peace? Practically speaking, what does it mean to create margins? It means Mona calls me up, hey, Pastor Jen, can I meet with you? Sure, I'm available from 10 to 11. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Debbie calls me up, hey, Pastor Jen, can I meet with you tomorrow? Sure, I'm available at, am I available at 11? No, because there has to be a margin there for my peace and my sanity. So I give an extra 30 minutes in between, and then I'm like, sure, I'm available at 1130. So what did I just do for myself? I gave myself the opportunity to catch my breath, regroup, process, change gears, and give Debbie my best. But if we're just, and nobody's getting our best, create margins in your day, create margins in your week, have a day off, have a Sabbath. Why do you think you're exempt from having a Sabbath? The whole world was created, and there was a Sabbath, but you're, you know, you're just, you can hustle, you're a hustler. I'm just a hustler. Well, good for you. Good luck with longevity and still doing it in 40 years. Because that's not God, how God the architect created you to operate. It's just not. Monthly. Say, okay, if I've had something every single weekend, the primas and the primos and everybody's got a quinceanera and everybody's got a birthday party and everybody's got a soccer game and everybody's got something going on, one Saturday. No. I'm staying home in my PJs. How about annually annually? Plan a vacation. Set aside time to relax and enjoy this beautiful life that God has given you. Okay? All right. Everybody stand with me. So it goes back to the question again, why, why do we find it necessary? Why do we feel that it's necessary to overdo it? to push through it, to prove it, to hustle, to achieve. It all goes back to communion. If we know who we are, if we have communion with our creator, then we've got all kinds of kind words to lavish on people. And we've got all kinds of self-worth in who he tells us we are to go, I'm not superhuman. I don't have to do it all to achieve self-worth or self-esteem. And so I think peace has to come first from being healed in our soul in our relationship with God. Cuz none of that other stuff is going to matter if we're not healed in our walk with God. So let's just take a few minutes and pray. If somebody doesn't mind if you turn down the lights just a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just close your close your eyes and bow your heads, and let's, let's ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight. Thank you, Lord. Lord, where have we missed it? Father, where have we just neglected maintaining peace in our lives? Lord, where have we neglected you? Where have we not listened? Or, or maybe we're listening, but we're so scared you're going to ask us to give up something we don't want to give up that, we haven't stopped long enough for you to really teach us and counsel us and guide us. The Holy Spirit is your, your partner and, and the one who guides you and helps you. Don't be afraid to lean in and, and let him speak to you. I just want to say a prayer tonight first for, as I was talking about forgiveness and The things that we walk through in life that are just too heavy to forgive on our own, I just really sense that there's some of you in this place that you still are, you're, it's like you're carrying a backpack of, of a wound, of a hurt, and it's heavy on you. And it's, it's just, it's not one of those things that you can forgive on your own. It's a serious thing, and it's a heavy thing, and God wants you tonight to know that he wants to help you through the process of forgiveness. So with no one looking around, every eye closed, this is just between you and God. I want you to lift up your hand so that I can see you, so I can be agreeing with you. If you're in this place and you're like, Pastor Jen, I need to forgive tonight. I I need to forgive completely. I started the process of forgiveness, but I haven't completed it. The Bible says, do not allow a root of bitterness to spring up among you. It says, don't allow. That means we are responsible to not let that unforgiveness become a root of bitterness. I just want tonight for God to lavish on you his forgiveness, so then you can give that forgiveness. So right now, Everyone who lifted your hands, just agree with me and say, Holy, say, Heavenly Father, I receive your love. I know that you love me. No matter what I've done, no matter what mistakes, no matter how hard I am on myself, you love me. You see the best in me. You have a purpose for me. So I receive your love. And I ask for your help, humbly. God, help me. What they did, it wounded me. It hurt me. Maybe someone in your life is continually hurting you, and so I want you to say, what they do is hurting me. And I don't know how to do this, God. I don't know how to forgive them. Counsel me. Help me. I want to be right. I want to forgive. As you've forgiven me, I make a decision to forgive them. Teach me. I let go of them right now. I can just see you right now. I can see somebody just letting go. I can see you just letting go, letting go, letting go, let go, let go. In Jesus' name, just begin to let go. Oh, I can even feel it in the spirit. It's just lightning. Your load is lightning right now in Jesus' name. You know what? It's not for you to punish them. Turn them over to God and let God deal with them. Your job is just to forgive. And forgiveness doesn't mean trust right away, so I'm not recommending anybody in this place continue in a, in a toxic relationship, but I am saying you need to forgive and maybe maintain some distance. Now, I just want to pray for one more group of people. Maybe there's a wound of, of, of something in your life, not a person, but some situation, some trial, something that you've walked through. You know what? Maybe you're struggling with a lack of peace and you don't know why. You don't know why, but you're not yourself. You don't have peace. You feel like you're going crazy, you feel like you can't sleep. I was there two years ago, and I didn't know how to pray. I did not know what to do. And I just kept telling God, God, I can't hold on to you. I need you to hold on to me. God, I'm I'm not OK. I need you to help me. And as I began to humble myself and humble myself, And humble myself and just tell the Lord, Lord, I need you. I'm not okay. I I can't quote 17 scriptures over this. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you, God, because you're the answer. You're the source. You're my all. And, And that I do know is that you are the source. You are the answer to my needs right now. And my prayer wasn't pretty. And my prayer probably made no sense. But the Holy Spirit heard me. And the floodgates began to open in my soul. And there was a wound. And there was a hurt. And it just began to come. And it come and come. And I called somebody. And I confessed and said, I'm wounded. I'm hurt. And here's why. And as I did, I just, I just broke. And that fresh brokenness just allowed the Holy Spirit to begin to wash and cleanse and, and do the work in me. And then gradually over time, peace began to come again. Peace and joy and life and lightheartedness. You do not have to live in bondage. You do not have to live in darkness. You do not have to live struggling. You do not have to live bound. You can live free. You are called to live in liberty and joy and peace and prosperity and fullness and healthy relationships and joy. And so tonight, with nobody looking around, I want to really respect the people in this room right now but if you're in this place and you need me to unite my faith with you because you're like I'm I'm struggling and I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do, but I know I need healing in my soul. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hands so only I can see you. Oh my gosh, hands going up, going up all over this room. You're not alone. Everybody in this room. You're not alone. God is for you, and he loves you, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and this season will end if you will fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Christ. Don't give up hope. Fix your eyes on Jesus right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Use your will. Use your will right now to decide, Jesus, you're my all. Jesus, I'm not going anywhere. Jesus, no matter what happens, no matter how bad it feels, no matter how messed up my emotions are, I fix my eyes on Jesus. And Lord, I know that you will come through for me. Father, I know that you will come through for the people in this room, and you will bring healing to every wound, and you will set every heart free right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I take authority over everything every attack of the enemy that's keeping them bound. And in the name of Jesus, I speak the balm of Gilead. I speak healing. I speak restoration. I speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. And I declare, Father, that every need is met. And, Lord, these people are going to be free to laugh again and to be themselves again and to be authentic in your presence and to be authentic in relationships. Thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. What a great word. (laughs) Praise God. Go ahead and be seated tonight, if you would, please.